1: That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the Filet-O-Fish, right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
2: Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast with board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. Hey, and this is Anthony. And this is episode 306, BGA Year in Review. We'd like to thank all of our Patreon backers for helping us bring you a brand new episode. All right, Anthony, we are back. The holiday season is still hitting the table. So we got some of the best games to take a look back for 2020. Because while 2020 hasn't been the best... In board gaming, it's been quite good.
0: It has, yes. Yeah, last week we did our annual awards, the Board Gamers Anonymous Awards, with our, uh, and we went through like our favorite games of the year, the ones we thought were the absolute best. There's 32 of them across eight categories, so definitely check that out if you want to know what we thought was the best stuff released in 2020. But this week, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to look back at all the stuff we looked forward to for 2020. Mm-hmm. So every year, our first episode of the year, sometimes the second, very early in January, we go through everything we think is coming out for that year, um, any events, any, anything at all that we think, oh, this is, this is what we're looking forward to in this year. And we just kind of run through it and we talk about it and we talk about why we're looking forward to it or whatever it might be. And then at the end of the year, we go through that list again and we say, did it come out? <laughs> because that's big. <laughs> did it come out? Was it any good? And if it was any good, what's our recommendation? Did we review it? Do we want to talk about it? You know, whatever it might be, right? So we have, I think, 35-ish or so games and expansions sure. uh, that we wanted to talk about that we ran through at the beginning of 2020 that we were excited about. And um, and stay tuned next week because we'll do that for 2021. Hopefully a better year ahead.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. So this is going to be a fun list because if you go way back, as Anthony was mentioned, we do this episode each and every year. We were full of hope and optimism for the year, and we talked about these games like they were all going to hit the table, and then 2020 happened. But nonetheless, definitely jump back to listen to all of those hopeful, hopeful days, and we're going to talk about all of the games that obviously we got to the table, the games that did come out, and we want to just, again, hit them hard because it has been a very good year, and it's good this time of year to remember. And for those of you who are on Board Game Arena, watching on the live embedded feed, and we know there's several hundred of you that are doing that right now, don't forget that this live feed of Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast, is actually happening on Twitch, on the Board Game Arena site. So jump over to Twitch, check out Board Game Arena, you'll find us there, and jump into the chat with everyone there. Because we're all talking about the best in review for 2020. All right, Anthony. So that's a little bit about our feature. That's going to be a full feature about everything that's going on in board gaming in 2020. So, so much good stuff to talk about. Obviously, we have some other great stuff that's coming up this week. And a little, I don't know,
0: live stream show on board games called BGA Live. Yeah, buddy, we're back. We took a week off. Uh, A couple days before Christmas. Obviously, the chaos that is the holidays, even if we're not traveling, there's a lot going on. And so we we took a week off, and we hope you missed us. We missed you. I Um, did. (laughs) But this week, we're going to get back to it. We're back to it this week with Luxor from Queen Games. This is on Wednesday, December 30th, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Join us. We will be talking about our question of the week on that side of things. Um, We're going to be playing through Luxor uh, with some of our friends in the BGA community. And uh, showing y'all why this game is so good. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Make sure you stop on by.
2: Absolutely. And Luxor is up on Board Game Arena right now. Came out in 2018, but still at the table. Expansions coming out for... So a lot of good stuff. Uh, join us then. We'll have a lot of fun. And again, join us in the chat because that's where all the good stuff is happening. Okay. All right, Anthony. So that's what's going on with us on BGA.
0: What's going on with our listeners and our viewers? what's our question of the week question of the week this week is a uh, courtesy of one of our listeners uh, drew i believe so thank nice. you drew for submitting this question we occasionally put out these calls for questions and they are fantastic you know obviously i can't think of every question that could be interesting so if you have anything that you'd like to see us cover on the question of the week either for board gamers anonymous or bga live hit us up i I ask like once every month or two, but feel free to shoot them over because I, I see them. I see everything you post. So this question this week is, have you been to the World Board Gaming Championships? But more specifically, what game would you compete in in such a championship? So what game are you so confident in that you will win <laughs> that you would sit down for 13 hours and play it like 10 times in a row? So I, that's that's what I wanted to ask everybody. Oh boy, that's going to be a big one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I personally have not been to WBC. I, You haven't been either, right? I had a plan to go out there
2: and then something happened and somehow it didn't happen, but it's going to happen at some point. It needs right. to happen. It's relatively close. There's no reason why it shouldn't happen. So yeah, really 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 great kind of format and their auction is fantastic too
0: That's what i've heard yeah and it's like really close to me now they moved it a couple years ago and it's like a three hour drive maybe two hour drive from my house mm-hmm. so i'm very tempted the problem is i can't do that and gen con because they're so Ooh. close to each other so it's like i eh, gonna pick one <laughs> uh, true, true, so yeah we're we're gaming championships a lot of open play a lot of like you said the auction's famous mm-hmm. uh but Core thing, lots of competitions for board games. And uh so yeah, we wanted to ask people what they thought of that. First up, one of the first ones that was mentioned was Carcassonne. And I'm always interested when somebody's like, I'm awesome at Carcassonne, and I'm like <laughs> it's certainly a game you can be good at. We you know, we're here on Board Game Arena and they, they run plenty of uh coverage here of Carcassonne sure. and the championships for that. But Kenny in particular said um you'd be interested in Carcassonne if there's an event for it course there is and (laughs) cannot remember the last time he has not won and he played in the origins tournament in 2017 so kenny's feeling good about carcassonne wow that's
2: a classic so if you're really that good at it that's impressive right (laughs) yeah because a lot of people play it they do
0: this was a fun one that popped up here um i honestly had not heard of this myself or maybe i've heard of it but i certainly have not played it uh steven mentioned uh very tough to balance the desire to play in 30 plus tournaments you know classics plus new but Circus Maximus is one that he would have to squeeze in because the atmosphere is so raucous uh, it's just tough to beat so this is an older game much older game it's been around for a long time and if you look it up it's you know it looks older this has not been reprinted in some time but it's it's Circus Maximus you're racing in chariots so it is just chaos (laughs) people yelling at each other so I can see that being a lot of fun yeah I haven't played it. Looking forward to it. Uh, a couple people mentioned Gaia Project, which is interesting. AC and Drew both mentioned this as a game that they would love to sit down for a tournament in. AC also mentioned Scythe as another one kind of in that ballpark. So newer games, right? I, I feel like Gaia Project would be rough depending on how many people were in that tournament. Sure. It would be long, right? That's a rough game.
2: <laughs> so That's yeah. not a game that I wouldn't sit down competition. No. sometimes just taking a couple of those moves and you're just like, putting those satellites out it's just ah no (laughs) can't do it can't do it don't make me do it
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i i I love this game it's it's in my top 10 of all time i don't know that i'd want to do a tournament for it but i'll be honest i haven't really done a lot of board game tournaments i did ticket to ride like way back our first convention we ever went to pax east i did ticket to ride and you did munchkin or small world
2: I did Small World, and I also think I did Seven Wonders. That's right. Seven at Wonders. the time. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, I got to the third round of the tournament, and by then I was like, yes. I don't want to play anymore. I just want to be no I don't want to play another fourth game of Ticket to Ride if I win this. Uh, so, like, you really have to love the game to sit and play it for that long. Yeah, I think I played – I
2: got pretty far in Small World, and then it got to a moment where I was tied with one of the players – and then I was like, no, that's okay. That's okay if they win. They're like, oh, no, let's take a look at the tiebreaker. I'm like, nope, it's fine. They can win. That's fine. I'm okay. I'm out. I'm out, folks. I'm out. <laughs> like It was like six games in a row. And I'm just like, oh, God, no, it's fine. It's fine. No, it's no
0: good. <laughs> I've been doing this online tournament like the last five weeks uh, for KeyForge Because there's an online set where you can play it. And we, did, we only have to play one match a week. That's it. Like okay. You prepare for it. You know what your opponent's deck is going to be. You prep for it. That's it. So it's like 30 minutes a week. And it goes for like 10 weeks. And it's been great. I'm having fun. There's no pressure. I don't have to sit down and play like 40 games of KeyForge in two days. I dig that. I might do more of those. But yeah, the, the all-day things are rough.
2: Again, it's it's not just do you love the game. But it's certainly also is it something that you can just play and not get burnt out on easy?
0: exactly yeah i think what what convention were we at where we saw a, a twilight imperium uh tournament in the in the book was it origins i think that was origins yeah it was like three rounds over the four days that's it that's your whole convention I like, i can't even imagine wow that's crazy yeah uh, all right so the, the last one mentioned on here was drew he mentioned twilight struggle I can easily see this one being a tournament. This game's a little longer, but it's one-on-one, which is perfect for tournament format, just single elimination. Mm -hmm. Um, Really, like War of the Ring, I'd be all about that. Even though it's a long game, I'd love to do that. That'd be fun for me.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of different ways to play that game, and I think that's good, too. If it's an asymmetrical kind of game, where playing both sides is different enough, then I could see just not getting burnt out. Like, if you play Root or something like that.
0: Yeah, Root would be great. Mm -hmm. All right. So thank you, everybody, who wrote in on that. Our buddy, David, who we know has been to this multiple times. He's always trying to get us to go. Uh, Dave, thank you for writing in. He had a huge write-up. So obviously, I can't read all that out here on the show, but I did want to recognize that. Thanks, Dave. Um, He mentioned he's competed in Dominion, Stone Age, El Grande, Raw, Tigers and Euphrates, San Juan. The list goes on and on. So um, if if you want to know more about WBC and what games are there, Dave's your guy. Check out the Facebook page, and he will definitely comment on that for you.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, a lot of good games there, a lot of good possibilities and really at the World Board Game Championship from what Dave tells us all the time. And we've had Dave on the podcast several times where he's talked about this. Just like really great competition, really great people there. So I, I do hope that you and I get there at some point. Someday. Yeah, gonna happen. Yeah, I could see. I could see. Like I said, I, I think Root for me would probably be the best just because it's you have so many different characters doing so many different things or maybe even something quicker just so you don't burn out so quick. Maybe like, I don't know, let's stay with Leader Games. I don't know, Fort, for example, you know, because that that's pretty, like, you got a combo and you just run that combo until you either win or lose the game. So, you know, a good combination of fun, a good combination of different tactics, and a good combination of in and out as quickly as possible. So, yeah. Yeah, so if you would like to let us know about your World Board Gaming Championship Best games, please hit us up on all our social media sites: Facebook, Twitter, BoardGamersAnonymous.com. Ton of content on there. Obviously, Patreon.com slash BGA. We have a Slack group up there. For many of you out there, you probably don't know this, but we have a YouTube channel, so you can catch all of these broadcasts on YouTube. So join, subscribe there so you don't miss any of the content. And of course, wherever you listen to podcasts, BGA is there. So drop a comment, drop a review. Hit us up on your favorite podcast player because we'd love to hear from you. All right, Anthony. So that's what's going on with us. It's going on with our listeners. That's what's going on with our viewers now on top of everything else. So let's get on to our feature review. So for our feature review this week, we are taking a look at our year in review. The games that we talked about at the beginning of the year has finally come home to roost. And where exactly did they land, my friend?
0: It's the ultimate question. It is. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny too, because usually when we do this feature, we'll start it off with like, what were our resolutions for the year? You know, what do we yeah. what do we want to accomplish? What what do we want this year to look like? And <laughs> I've I've been told several times that on this episode back in January, I said how great of a year 2020 was going to be. And it's like people are personally offended. Like I jinxed it personally so i'm not gonna say how great 2021 is gonna be because i don't want to <laughs> but you know i know for me i had a 10 by 10 planned uh with some friends Ooh. here locally we almost made it halfway i think we did a lot of stuff online we were totally on pace by mid-march and then obviously sure. it fell apart and after mid-summer flatline um because <laughs> some games are great online some of them are not so it's you know we we did our best to keep up i think we got like 20 or 30 done online which is amazing but sure. eventually it's just hard to coordinate people. Our other big thing is you and I talked about going to Essen and I yes. was legit looking at it. I was this close to starting to like book plane tickets and I'm glad I didn't book anything because obviously nothing would have happened. But um, yeah, this was the, that this was the year we were going to try to make that happen. And yeah, obviously, you know, best laid plans. What are you going to do? That's true. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I guess, again, since we talked about the online competitions and we talked about World's Board Gaming Championship, I would really like to get into one of these kind of like multi-bracket game kind of competitions. And again, it's, it's really a good time to be able to do that. Uh, Board Game Arena, a lot of sites out there have that kind of capability to like run you through a tournament. Obviously, doing the games online or even asymmetrical kind of situation doesn't burn you out so much. So I would certainly love to see that in the the, the coming year to get into a couple of those so that just so I have a little more structure to my gaming, I think that would be a lot of fun. Like you said, you had the 10 by 10, but that doesn't really work so well online. But maybe, you know, maybe a structured tournament would be fun. And obviously it's the year of solo gaming. So, you know, uh, I'm looking forward to getting some solo gaming to the table. So I think that's going to be a big thing. And really trying to embrace that. Usually, when there are not people to play board games, it's usually all right, video games. But like, right. huh? Maybe I should give the board games more of a chance. I mean, I've soloed a lot of games, but maybe I should get it into like a whole, a whole theme or a legacy game and just play that out. So, yeah, right, a lot, a lot of good possibilities for the new year.
0: Yeah, no, I know. I remember back in June when you said you would solo. I forgot what it was. You were reviewing something. You're like, oh, and I played it solo. It was this, and I was just like, you did what? <laughs> <laughs> you don't play solo games but obviously 2020 is going to be 2020 and it, uh, is. it brings out the solo player in all of us
2: <laughs> it's true yeah 2020 and 2021 for a bit at the, at the very least will be solo gaming a lot more so uh, getting the games to the table is important not letting your collection collect dust uh, pop the box lid you know bag your stuff reorganize it mm-hmm. see what you're missing as far as promos and expansions and pick those things up because There are so many great games out there that you probably have not added to your collection or just not updated yet. So yeah, there's a lot of stuff to do. All right, Anthony. So with that said, let's talk about the full games that were released this year.
0: Yes. So I have split this into three lists. We have the full games that were released. So things that are actually out there in the ether that could theoretically be played. Uh, Games that were not released. So these include Kickstarters that were run and games that just didn't come out because of reasons. And then some expansions that didn't fit into either category. So we're going to talk through these three sections. (laughs) On the Origin of Species, uh, this was from Artana Games. Uh, I backed this on Kickstarter back last year, and so I was pretty excited for it to come. And I think it came... I I have it, so I don't remember when it showed up, but it was definitely either just before or just after quarantine, because it has not Mm -hmm. been played yet. But these science-y type games that have themes that are interesting and engaging and I could play with my children at some point, I'm all about it. So I am excited to play this and I've heard good things. So Mm -hmm. maybe next year.
2: You know, there's definitely a list and we have to kind of circle around back to this because we've done quasi lists about like STEM games, science, technology, engineering, math, or just like games you could play in the classroom or games that really represent a good thematic retelling of history and science. This is obviously would be right up there on the top.
0: Oh, absolutely! Yeah, no, I, I love the idea of it. So, um, all right, on the Origin of Species. If you've played it, shout out. Let us know if it's any good. Oh, definitely hit us up. <laughs> uh, Pendulum. So this was on our list last year as Code Name Sand, I believe, because that's what uh stonemaier Games does. They have code names. They had a second one on there too. I think it was Gold. Maybe that's not sure. announced yet. I don't think, right. There's no, they don't have a new game announced yet. Right. Not yet. Okay. So that hasn't been announced yet. So obviously that's unreleased and we can't even talk about it. Cause we don't know what it is. Pendulum <laughs> was announced and it was released. We have not played it, but by all accounts, that's fine. <laughs>
2: <So>. <laughs> well, to be fair, if, if Jamie's listening right now, Jamie, if you want to shout out what gold is, I'll, I'll let everybody know, but yeah, I, I love the idea that he codenames his upcoming releases, and there's a bit of a clue. So yeah. sand timers, sand. This came out. I haven't gotten a chance to play it. Did you get a chance to play this, Anthony?
0: Not yet. No, it it didn't seem like a kind of thing I could figure out with the family. <laughs> so.
2: Yeah, it's a kind of real time euro game, and there was a lot of controversy based on some early reviews and some early releases. And the reviews weren't so great. And it's been out there. And right now you could pick it up for about 25 bucks on Amazon. So that's surprising because Stakemire games usually hold their value quite long. So this is the first game I've ever seen that went from like full price to like, I don't know, a third of the price, like super quick. So uh, if you haven't got a chance to play it, uh, maybe you're interested in it, check it out. We haven't played it yet, so we haven't been able to review it. So we can't tell you if it's good or not. That is true. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. uh, next up on the list, the game I can tell you is good Smartphone Inc. This was on Kickstarter last year and it shipped in, I don't know, quarter three this year. It was like September, I think. And uh, so I have my copy. I have played it. It is fantastic. We had both played it before at PAX yes. uh, two years mm-hmm. ago now. And yeah, it's a, it's a spectacular game. It's well worth your time, it's well worth your money. I don't know that you can get all the Kickstarter stuff that came with it at this point, but the retail version of the game is like $45, maybe. It's pretty affordable, so it's definitely something you should pick up.
2: Yeah, they have a 1.1 expansion edition. I don't know if that collects all the extra Kickstarter stuff, but there is a 1.1 edition. Uh, This is great. I love this game, and I've loved this game since it, it came out, and it was the lone game kind of quietly sitting at the table at PAX Unplugged that nobody wanted to play. And then I dragged everybody over. I'm like, we got to play this. They're like, I don't know about this. I'm like, got to play it. And it's it just, it looks like an Apple iPhone, right? It's so stark and sleek and just like cold. And then you play it and you're like, oh my God, this is fun. Why are we? <laughs> it, it, and it makes sense because it's about smartphones. So everything about the game makes sense. Everything about the game is great with the exception as I don't have a copy. But that's the only thing that's not great about that game. But otherwise, yeah, great. Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I would say too, I think on the expansion, all the gameplay stuff that was added to the Kickstarter is in that expansion. All the cosmetic stuff that's a Kickstarter exclusive is not. I might be wrong on that, but I think that's how they did it. So like, if you don't get, if you didn't have the Kickstarter, you just don't get all the, the fancy bits. Mm. You don't need them to play all the stuff. Tang all Garden. Right. This is a fun Ooh. one because... This took forever to show up, but it did show it did. up. <laughs> uh, I, I still haven't had a chance to play my copy. I know you did though, and you actually reviewed it. So I'll let you speak to the people. Cause I, I looked at it. It's pretty. And I'm glad it finally arrived. But by the time it arrived, I was like, I don't have anybody to play this with. And it's been on the shelf. So. It's an
2: enjoyable, it's a tile laying game that has certain activation features based on bonuses that you take. But that's pretty much it. It's a very light game. I kind of knew that going into it when I backed the Kickstarter. The expansions do make the game better. I would never play the game without the expansions because the base game is extremely light. Not just normally light, it's just kind of extremely light. That being said, it's it's a relatively good game. I mean, the production's off the charts. So uh, if you want a nice, interesting, you know, light game along the lines of like Tokaido, but maybe a little lighter in some aspects I would I would definitely check it out.
0: All right. So next up is Tekinu, Obelisk of the Sun uh, uh-huh. of Daniel Tashini and David Turchi. This is the third or fourth game fourth, fourth game in the T series from Tashini and not the last cuz they just announced number 5. <laughs> cuz they hate me and they want me to pronounce this Habenusti, <laughs> Builders of Ur. It's not actually coming out next year, though, so we get a year off of these. That's good.
2: <laughs> the T-Brothers uh, coming at you, man. Yeah, tea brothers, it, man. Another T-Game.
0: you to have to up, update that episode. It's it's going to be out of date soon.
2: <laughs> yeah, we did an episode on Turtsy's games and all the games that were in the T-Genre of games, which is a wonderful kind of gag, but at some point, please stop. These games are really hard. <laughs> like It's like you know, like, we all have collections, and then, like, there's just certain selections and collections where it's just like, all right, I have enough games in the T area. <laughs> like, we have something else? Can you just call it something else? But no, they're great. They're great games. You yeah. played this, Anthony,
0: right? I did. Yeah, I have it. I believe you have a copy coming as well, so you should get a chance Ooh. to play it. Uh, but, Mighty. yeah, this is the one with the obelisk, the big, huge thing in the middle of the board. It doesn't really do anything, but it's cool looking. Um <laughs> you turn it and then the dice are either in shade or in light and then where they are depending on the obelisk will determine what those dice can do like the different actions you can take when you draft them out and take actions and there's like 10 or 15 different actions you can take around the board it feels really disjointed and scattered the first time you play it because it's hard to see how everything connects but once you've played it two or three times it really congeals quickly so it doesn't like on, the first time I played that, it made sense very quickly. That's why I liked it so much. This one took a little bit of time. <laughs> like, it's not quite as intuitive. You can definitely feel Turchi's influence where you have a little bit more diverse systems coming together. It's not quite as integrated. But that doesn't make the game bad. I really enjoyed this quite a bit. It was one of my favorites of the year. And it's fairly affordable like all board and dice games. So definitely recommend checking it out. Yeah, another T game to add
2: to your collection.
0: Do it. <laughs> All right. Next up is The Crew, the quest for Planet Nine. This is this is actually our BGA live show next week. So uh, tune in for that. That's going to be fun. This is the Kenner Spiel des Jahres winner for 2020 as well. And it is my favorite trick-taking game that's come out in the last couple of years. It's fully cooperative. It comes with 50 different missions. This was a game that I had played like a print-and-play version of that a friend had at a party last December. And it instantly made it onto my like anticipated list for 2020. And so when they finally brought the full game over and got a chance to get the English version out, it's perfect. So I love that it's on Board Game Arena because I hadn't really gotten a chance to play it otherwise since the pandemic started because it it's just a little too much for my family. Um, but I've played it a lot now online, very good stuff.
2: Yeah, I've played this in person and play this online. It's, it's a, fun game and in fact it really has a a huge following you would think a co-op trick-taking game you know like when they pitched this to cosmos cosmos has been like "Hmm, this sounds interesting and they're like no it's gonna be huge (laughs) like why would it be huge it's huge it's a huge game it's 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 just it's giant i can't i can't say why but we'll we'll talk about
0: that next week because it's great man you'll see you'll see (laughs) we'll have fun talking about it if nothing else We will. All right, next up, Viscounts of the West Kingdom. This is the third in the West Kingdom trilogy from Shem Phillips. And I actually did just get a chance to play this. I've had the copy for a little bit, but, you know, Garpill Games will have a solo mode, so if I get a chance to play mine. And it has similar ideas to Architects and Paladins, but it's also a little bit different. You have, like, this modular round board. Um, You're rondelling your way around it with your Viscount. And taking actions based on where you land on the action space, you also have three cards that go into your tab low that have different icons on them. And then as you cycle those cards through, you get to take different actions based on that, and they power up accordingly. It's got, like, bits and pieces all over the place that come in and help you score points in different ways. It's probably a little more scattered than Paladins. I don't like it as much as Paladins, but it's probably between the two in terms of quality, so... If you're a fan of his games in general, it feels a lot like one of his games. So sure. um that's probably the best endorsement I can give. I'll I'll probably review this in a few weeks, um, once I've had a chance to play it more. But it's you know, it's a Sham Phillips game. It's it's solid.
2: Yeah, that's great. And and now I'm gonna be saying what you just said, which is I'm Rondelling. I think that's a you created a new word there, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> What are you doing, kids? We're just rondelling dad. It's, it's cool. It's cool. You wouldn't understand Boomer. You know, you don't understand Rondelling, you know. students
0: <laughs> just walking in circles around the house. What are you doing?
2: <laughs> just stopping randomly and doing an action and then continue to move in that circle. Oh man. That's kinda what kids do anyways, I guess. <laughs> it's, <not laughs> it's the new hip mean I'm telling you. It's rondelling man. Used to be uh was a planking, and now it's Rondelling. <laughs> just Rondellan. Need a shirt for that. That's right. I'm on it.
0: <laughs> all right. Moving on to the top of the list. Uh, Strife and Manager was on our list last year as a new <laughs> held game.
2: Wait a and that that clearly must be an economic
0: Euro game with miniatures then, correct? Obviously. I mean, that's what we all thought it was.
2: <laughs> we all thought that.
0: Uh, yeah, fast forward about six months, and it turns out it's Bonfire, which is not miniatures or economic. Uh, this is problems yes yeah, a lot of things <laughs> uh this is like a Feld game that feels a lot like his earlier Feld games uh it's not it's not his best game but it's probably his best game in the last four years i don't know how much that says It depends on what you feel about his games the last four years but it's heavier it's bigger it's more intricate it, it feels like pieces pulled from different places like luna and some of his other games and it by all generally works pretty well i didn't love, love, love it, but as a huge Feld fan, that doesn't mean, you know, for me, that means I still like it quite a bit. So, yeah, it, it's, I really want to be able to play this with other people. It's one of those games of, like, I need to get this at the table with, you know, other heavy gamers, and maybe I could really pick into it a little bit more, but it's good.
2: Yeah, I was really looking forward to this. This was the kind of, like, Feld comeback tour, so... I was like, yeah, and the artwork looks amazing and it looks pretty complex. I'm like, awesome. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, well, the mechanics, and the theme is not really there. It's not really thematic. It's more kind of like, I think you kind of explained it as more like an aquasphere. Like the theme is kind of there, but it's not thematic necessarily. So I, I do think this is something that you need to get at the table, multiple people so that you can see strategies kind of play out.
0: Yeah, yeah, the aquasphere thing for sure. Like, the theme makes sense. Everything about the theme makes sense with the mechanics, but it's also completely random. Like, these gnomes and these bonfires and the great bonfire, and you're like, I mean, yeah, it all holds up, but I don't understand what you're trying to say or do here. So, um, But of his two games that came out this year, this and Castles of Tuscany, this is much better than the other. Like, I did not love Castles of Tuscany. This one, sure. I like quite a bit. Cool. Very nice. All right, Chronicles of Crime, the Millennium series. So Chronicles of Crime is like a app augmented deduction mm-hmm. game, like mystery yeah. game, like kind of like Sherlock and all that stuff, um, where you use um, an app on your phone, and they even have like little AR goggles you can use to to kind of solve clues. Really, really fun. We played this at a convention a few years ago and had a blast with it. The Millennium series of expansions is like these fantasy and far past and, and like different. Eras, kind of taking the time stories approach, like mixing in different types of mechanics based on theme. I've not played any of these, but by all accounts, it's pretty interesting. I think fourteen hundred is one of the ones that just came out. Yeah, these games are great, and it's
2: a, it's a different take on this genre. We played this way back when. I don't know if it was Gen Con, like the original versions of this. So I'm really yeah. glad to see that this is continuing because this is my favorite version of this type of game. So yeah,
0: yeah, I think I agree. Yeah, it's really good. Clinic. Clinic. This is a good one because we both played it. It came out really <laughs> early in the year. So we both played it with other people multiple times. We so. did. <laughs> um, this is Albin Viard's first good looking game because he went and got a <laughs> tool and <laughs> did like a whole big Kickstarter. His games, I love his games. I think I own almost all of them, but yes. I'll admit they're kind of ugly. This one is beautiful and ha- already has like four expansions for it if you include the fourth extension and the COVID extension, which by the way, COVID extension won our uh, award last week for best Kickstarter. Cause that was pretty cool. Absolutely. So yeah,
2: this thing was great. So actually this game was a reprint, right? This, this was, and basically what you're then saying is, is that it got a facelift. Ooh. Whoa. Yeah. To, yeah. Long drink. When I did that. Hold on a second. <laughs> yes. This game did get a facelift from Ian Tool. The artwork is beautiful. The graphic design is tight, and the gameplay has more replayability with all its different kind of modules than any game I've seen. Even Queen Games has a lot of Queenies. This this kind of like beats a bunch of those Queen games out because there are a lot of ways to score in that game. So, yeah, this is pretty. This is pretty. This is pretty fun to say the least. And again, the expansion, the fact that the money went to charity, especially COVID during this time and the expansion was a solo
0: slash co-op. Awesome. Very, very cool. Yeah, there's so many ways to play this. The first expansion had like six modules. The fourth extension, because they skipped two and three, I think had another four or five modules. The COVID one had two. And then there's two more coming. They just don't have time to play test them right now because of COVID. So at some point, this game's going to be just almost a lifestyle game if you really want to play a cynical game about the downfall of the healthcare industry. <laughs>
2: Yes, but we should also mention that this game has zombies in it. There's a zombie module in it. So even if you don't want to play the realistic you know, economic model of this, you could play with zombies. So there. (laughs) That's That's funny. That's especially for Jason out there who says that Euro games aren't thematic because it's so thematic you could actually, people turn zombies. (laughs) It's just so funny. We played with those zombies. It was fun, yeah. We did. That was a lot of fun. And then the funny thing about that was when we edited that module, everyone was very quiet at the table and we were at my friend Mark's and, and Greg and everybody was there and we're all looking at the zombie and we're going, Hmm. Yeah, this would be bad for the people in my hospital, but I really want to do it. So how can, we, how can we zombify my hospital at, and, and score the maximum number of points and just like, Oh, that's not good. <laughs> and yet it's sadly thematic, but we won't get it. that." <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's one of those right. things like the Phillips games where like zombies are bad, but if you contain them properly, they're worth a lot of points. So you want the zombies, but be careful. Yes. Yes. And uh Greg in our chat is
2: is shouting out for the fire extinguishers, yes. which are somewhat a module in the game.
0: <laughs> ah, great game, great game. Yeah. All right, Clinic Deluxe. Uh next up on the list is the Grand Carnival. Uh, this is a game that I backed on Kickstarter was looking forward to quite a bit. This came sometime during the year. I have a copy around here. Um, have played it solo once and tried to play with the family. It was a little bit too much for the kids. But it's a tile-laying game. You're building out a carnival. So you lay out these various tiles and you build these different types of things on top of it. It's a tableau builder. It's a tile layer. It's, if you like that kind of game, it is that. But it's still down to its basic essence. And it's pretty solid. I really enjoyed it quite a bit not the heaviest game in the world but it's fun very cool no i have, did not back it do not
2: have it and now i really want it because it looks really cool
0: yeah the artwork's great yeah it's very you know like cuphead style like 20s animation yeah, exactly very yeah, very
2: poppy like that yeah yeah got a lot of spirit to it all right
0: uh isle of cats yeah it's his favorite game <laughs> It's uh, a polyamino game, but it has card uh, drafting. So <laughs> this is a game that I really want to force you to play. I wish we didn't have COVID and I wish we were closer together because I would make you play this and I think you would like it. Nope. Nope. It's so good. Oh. Whatever, man. You are <laughs> drafting cards. It's a card drafting game. You draft a hand of cards. The cards let you rescue cats, but also take all these various scoring actions. And then you have to place your cats onto your tableau in such a way that they score points based on these various different formats. It is probably the most engaging, heavy gamer-friendly polyomino game that I've played, right? Every other game is either really light with polyominoes or they don't make sense thematically. Like, I love A Feast for Odin. It's one of my all-time favorites. But the polyominoes don't really make sense. This one, it makes sense. And it's still really fun. And there's multiple ways to play it. There's like a family mode, too, which is great for my kids. So. I think it's fantastic. (laughs) And I don't even like cats. So there you go.
1: Hey,
2: you got two cats. I don't know what you're talking about. You like your cats. You're you're just saying that. They hunt the mice. That's (laughs) good. Yeah, (laughs) no. But if you do love it, more power to you. I love cats. Again, what was really funny about this game when they was announced, and then you look at the board, and the cats are all these weird Shape polyominoes and you're like oh this looks awful this looks like cats the movie like this looks like the train wreck of all train wrecks yeah and from what everyone says not me but for one and especially you anthony from what everyone says it's a good game so okay <laughs> pirate cats on a ship
0: oh, okay yes. <laughs> obviously yes we just obviously yes okay <laughs> I honestly, when when I got this, because I started to see some good reviews, and I was like, "Wait, did I back this? I did. <laughs> Why did I back this? Based on what? <laughs> you know, it's, it doesn't. You're right. It doesn't look great on at first glance, but it is very good. All right, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> <As you should. laughs> okay. All right, let's move on to one that we both like or will like. Neither one uh-huh. has played this yet. Kanban EV. Oh yeah. Yeah. So this is the re-release or upgrade of Kanban Automotive Revolution from Vital Cerda. just won uh, best game of 2020 with On Mars last week on our Board Gamers Anonymous Awards. Kanban EV is an inotoolified, deluxified version of that with more streamlined everything, right? Um, my copy is floating out somewhere in a cargo container <laughs> somewhere in the Midwest. I have a shipping label. It has not actually been put in the mail yet seems like they'll probably send it next week so in two weeks i should have this and i will tell you all about it but um we have had a chance to play most of the game of kanban like the original version and uh it's really good
2: (laughs) yeah again this is another great game that i wish i was able to get to the table was it wish i was able to pick up i just literally missed a kickstarter by an hour So I was really bummed out about that. And it had all the fancy cars on top of everything else. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to your review of this because I think that this will at some point be an instant buy, unless I couldn't get all the fancy stuff, then I'll kind of be bummed out about that.
0: They'll do upgrade kits. They always do. I didn't buy like the the metal cars. They were really expensive. It was like 60 bucks for all the metal cars. And like, that's the one thing I'm not going to have, but I think I like the wood better. Gotcha.
2: Okay. Sounds good.
0: All right, so that's all the stuff that did come out that we talked about on last year's episode. Obviously, a lot of other games came out in 2020, but these are the ones that at the beginning of the year we were looking forward to. Mm. So the stuff that has not come out yet, let's dive into those. We have games that we were excited about, whether they were going to be on Kickstarter or uh, just never got around to being released. Um, So let's look at these guys. First up, Kemet Blood and Sand. Yeah,
2: I mean, for me personally, I I waited a really long time for this to come out. I liked Kemet. I had a borrowed copy that I kind of brought around and played around a little bit. And it was one of the best troops on a map game that I've ever played because it does force you to battle. And most games don't force you to battle because just do your own thing, which is also very cool. But Kemet had this really cool tableau building system where you kind of... Lined up the tiles, and then you did a thing, and you battled, and you had these really great monsters. So it was kind of the battle version of Cyclades. So, yeah, this is a lot of fun. I backed it, and there was some controversy because, of course, they brought Cthulhu in because Cthulhu. And people were like, no, this is their own game. And then they kind of like did a, like a reboot where they took that expansion and they made its own thing and they did voting on it and then they brought Cthulhu back because people did want it was a weird kind of thing but Madigo literally did everything they could to make everybody happy and I backed all of it yep. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm happy I mean I'll, I'll eventually get to the table but Kevin's been a great game and there's some rebalancing that goes into this so yes not released yet but happy that it's coming at some point
0: yeah yeah i'm I'm kind of glad it wasn't released yet because this is a game literally could not have played this year there's oh, no way true. to get this hit table and yeah, yeah i backed it too super psyched for it uh next up was legacies uh this was a game that actually was on kickstarter at the end of the year and it had just like i had my eyes on it and i was excited about it i ended up not backing it and obviously hasn't shipped yet no real updates there don't have it coming, don't know anybody who does. So I don't know. Uh it, it is a, like an interesting looking Euro about, you know, the idea of heredity and legacies and, and moving forward. Like a, almost like a civilization type family builder. But uh has not come out yet, unfortunately.
2: Yeah, I didn't know too much about this beyond what you had said at one of the on the past episodes, but again, this is another game that needs multiple people at the table. So maybe once we all get back together we'll get it too.
0: Yeah. Uh, next up was Numiji. This is the sequel to Takedo. Um It was on Kickstarter. And I got a chance to play like a prototype version of it at Gen Con last year. And I actually enjoyed the prototype, uh, playing through it and seeing the different me- mechanisms, like the push your luck that was added to the game, these different set collections that were added. Obviously, I've not played the final version. I don't actually know if this is shipped yet. I don't think so. But I imagine it's getting close to it. It's got the Nyade artwork, which is amazing. I have not seen a lot of good like buzz around it. People don't seem psyched that this exists, but I'm still intrigued by it. <clears throat> but that said, I did not back the Kickstarter, so I, I'm not that intrigued by it.
2: <laughs> I saw the Kickstarter. was really excited about it. Love Tokaido. I have the Tokaido Big Box Deluxe Kickstarter Edition, and this looked like in the same vein, like, it wasn't the super, super deluxe because it was just basically the base game, but it was built in that vein. Like it was bigger, it was prettier, it was sharper. I got to play this at PAX Unplugged. It's good, but it's not necessarily better than Takedo, which again, I already own the super deluxe version of it. And with the Kickstarter version, it was pretty expensive. So I feel like if you don't own Tokaido... This works just as well, like either one works fine. If you love Takedo to like such a big extent, I could see you adding this to your collection because it's a variation and it's a good variation. For me personally, the Kickstarter was a little too, too expensive to kind of pick up and kind of like own both but yeah i hope to pick this up at some point later on because i think it's i think it's worthy to add into your
0: collection nonetheless next up is oath chronicles of empire and exile this is cole Worley's next game which means it's going to be my game of the year for 2021 because that's how it works (laughs) if cole Worley releases a game it's my game of the year whatever year it comes out in gotcha Uh, gotcha I i did back this on kickstarter there was no expectation that it would ship this year um but it was still i'm like maybe and then obviously covid made sure no not happening um, yeah. I think it's coming in the spring though, or late winter. So it's not that mm-hmm. far off. It's almost now.
2: No, I heard really good stuff about this. Obviously they've taken that whole legacy campaign model to heart and they've also built it such a way that you can get it to the table, get it back in the box pretty quickly. And that things do affect long-term. I don't know if I have the game group for it. So I didn't back it on Kickstarter, but again, if it's something that when you review Anthony, if it's really that kind of potent, I might pick it up later on.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I, I expect it to be amazing. I, if anybody else had developed it, I would have been very wary. Like, But Leader Games plus Cole Worley, I'm like, they're going to make it work. It doesn't sound like it works, but it, they'll figure it out. It just, it sounds too good. Very cool. All right. Transhumanity. This was a game, I feel like this might even have been on our list a year before. Sure. Uh, one of those games that just keeps getting pushed back. And I'm not sure if it's because, you know, logistics is a problem or COVID was a problem this year, whatever it might be. But this is the next Mind Clash Games release. So um, I think, yeah, BGG says it's up for 2022 now. So it's a ways off. Um, They have not run a Kickstarter for it yet. Maybe it's scheduled for this year. But obviously it was something i was looking forward to a year ago as well so you're hoping that it you know we learn more about this game soon
2: yeah that's a real shame and again mind clash games they're usually big and they have like literally everything in the kitchen kitchen sink that they could throw into it so i'm not mad at the fact that this is taking so long because i do think that since they do put so much into their games that they do need the development time so yeah this one could wait because they eventually when they finally land it they do land it
0: right yeah, and they do have that other game. Whatever that one was, it had the multiple boards uh, that you played through. That's still out there in development, or sure. production. So, probably waiting for that to be done. Venice is a David oh. Turchi game. This is the second in the... I don't know if it's a trilogy, or a series, or whatever it is, but Brain Crack is releasing this series of games based on these cities in Europe. Um, the first was Ragusa um, by um, your guy who made Kalamala. And... I love that game. It was fantastic. It was really just so much thought goes into it, so much crunchiness in like one, less than two hours easily. Venice is a pick up and deliver type of game, but had some really cool, interesting twists and turns to the mechanics. It is still out there. It hasn't been released yet, but they're pretty far along in terms of development. So I think it should be coming in the first half of this year, based on what I've read. Um, I did back this too, so I'm looking forward to it.
2: Yeah, I didn't back this. I did take a look at this. As you mentioned, it's it's a whole little collection in and of itself. So I think that if this does work out, I think that I will go back and probably pick up the rest.
0: Yeah, yeah. You can see that. Um next up is Seventh Citadel. This was a Ooh. Kickstarter that ran earlier this year. This is the sequel to the Seventh Continent, which I'll be honest, I have the Seventh Continent with the expansion. I don't know why you'd ever need more game after that. <laughs> <laughs> but there's another game on this list that fits that even more, which we're going to get sure. through in a few minutes. And people still spent millions of dollars to get the game. So who am I to, who am I to judge? I'm sure this is amazing. Seventh continent, you know, by all accounts is amazing. I will never pick this up because I'm never going to get through the other content that I have.
2: <laughs> so. Yeah. Again, this is another mm-hmm. kind of like gloom Haven and now frost Haven. So. Sure, we we could kind of release this. I, I guess again, this is a game that's meant more for people who didn't back the original Kickstarter and maybe like Dune a little bit more, or legally distinct Dune a little bit more,
0: and then this is the game for them. Yeah, I could see that. Like theme stuff, you know. We'll again, we'll get into Frosthaven. Haven, but you 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 change the theme around, and maybe that's enough. Yeah. Bit.
2: Yes, yeah, some slight tweaks to it, some some revisions, some upgrades, and obviously Dunes could be huge this year. So, you know, it might be uh,
0: your cup of tea, mm-hmm. or your cup of spice. <laughs> Got a drink, man. Got a drink. That was too good. Uh, all right. Next up is eighteen sixty one sixty seven. This was a Kickstarter for a pair of eighteen XX games. So you know Chris was excited. <laughs> eh? Eh? <laughs> This uh, this was a weird year, too. I backed a whole bunch of 18xx games. I don't know why, because I, <laughs> I like them. They're fun, but you don't really need to own more than, like, two or three, because you're never going to know more than a handful of people who are willing to play them with you. Uh, so, yeah, I got this one coming, and it's not done yet. None of them are. None of the ones I backed are, so hopefully soon.
2: Yeah. You know, again, I, I guess it's the 18 double X kind of thing where if you get on board with it, you're kind of like on track to, no, I'm not, I'm sorry. I'm not going to do all that stuff. It's fine. (laughs) I had about 20 puns kind of loaded up there, but you know, it's an 18 double X game. God bless you people who play it. So
0: yeah, that's great. You're like, I'm not interested enough to make all these puns. It's your pun here. <laughs>
2: <laughs> there's just way too much, way too much to talk about it. But, yeah. you know, there's a lot of good people who play it. And again, if you have that, you know, mental mind to do all those calculations, to understand how much your stock is worth at any particular time and if you should divest and all that kind of stuff. Dude, come to the table because I need to play with you. <laughs> Get my abacus out and just start moving all the, the the beads around, trying to figure out how 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 you kind of carry over those loans and stocks and such. But yeah, that's great.
0: Yeah, it's a, yeah. We'll move on. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, a G and C was another one that I put on here. This is a Carl Chaddock game, and this was like this was a weird one because I picked this up at Gen Con as like a beta or even an alpha version. Sure. But I paid for it. So they sold a limited number of these in like a little white box, and it had all the cards with horrible graphic design. So the game was not done, and you could take it, you could play it, and then it had a little coupon basically in there where they're like, "When we finally release it, we give us the coupon. We'll give you an actual copy of the game." I don't cool. believe they've ever. It was really cool. It's a great idea. Yeah. The game's done yet, right? Oh, no.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> like. My last check of this is that they were aiming for the end of 2020. Definitely not quite there. Um, so 2021 probably, who knows? It's it's out there. I have kind of surfed through the rules. It's very much a Carl Chudick game. Lots of cards do lots of different things, and the deck is like this big. So um, it's cool. I like it. It's got like a civilization vibe, but I, you know, I'm waiting for the final version with all the rule tweaks.
2: Yeah, I mean, I love Carl Chug's games. I mean, Glory to Rome is one of my favorite games of all time. Otani, you and I, I think, backed way back in the day and actually went there to pick it up, our Kickstarter version of that. Innovation's a great game. Impulse. So, yeah, even Red 7 is just kind of a quick little card game. But, yeah, Yeah. no, great stuff. Yeah, absolutely.
0: All right. Uh, Next up was Ankh, Gods of Egypt. This is Eric Lane's third gods-on-a-map game. And... (laughs) I like to Is
2: that a new genre. Is that a new genre? Gods on a map.
0: Apparently, I don't know.
2: We went, went from dudes on a map to troops on a map. Now gods on a map. Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, they it's should name the it. trilogy if they don't want me to give it a dumb name.
2: So, <laughs> hey, look, gotta be careful because you know we already have the T, endless, you know, multi-trilogies. So yeah, don't don't, don't push Eric Lang because he'll do it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I know he's going He'll do it. Um this I like to think of this game as the one I didn't back because of Kemet. That, yes. that's how I describe it because I did not back this. I know a lot of people who didn't back this because of Kemet. I also know a lot of people who did back it. It made a lot of money, but it did It's pretty. it's got some beautiful stuff in it. It just mechanically didn't really speak to me, and I love Kemet. I already know I like it, so that's where my money went this year. ditto
2: ditto on all that. this would normally be a game that would be an instant pack, and I did look at it. And I think it was the miniatures that just didn't sing as much as Kemet did. And I think there was this kind of odd mechanic where the bottom two people who are running last, as far as points are concerned, team up. And I was like, oh, that's a really interesting idea. I don't know how that's going to work out. I will wait until someone else. (laughs) (laughs) And then I will try it because... It was, like you said, it was almost, in a lot of ways, and I don't want to take anything away from Eric Lang and all the designers for Ankh, but it was so close to Kemet, and it had that oddity, which, for some people, pulled it over the finish line, but for me, it was like, I need to wait on this, because I love Blood Rage, and I really like Rising Sun, but we were kind of trending down a bit, and this was like, I kind of already have this in mind, I think it was, what, within months? It was like two months difference or something? It was super close.
0: It's like a month even. Yeah, I think this one was April and, Kim, it was May. They were really Crazy. close together, yeah. Yep. All right, next up on the list is Burgle Brothers 2, The Casino Capers. Ooh. Uh, this is the new Tim Fowers game, the sequel to Burgle Brothers, which
1: mm-hmm.
0: is one of my favorite, like, little box co-op games. It's a lot of fun. Yes. You are stealing stuff and trying to escape And it's got the beautiful Goldsberry artwork, which I love. Mm -hmm. And uh, the sequel had promised to add a ton of new stuff to that. So I backed this. I'm waiting for it. Hasn't released yet. But I don't know. Anytime Fowers releases another game, like a big one like this, I'm all all aboard. So hopefully it comes out sometime in the next few months.
2: Yeah, Fowers is another game designer out there that once you kind of get into his games, you do want to collect all of his games. I do own Burgle Brothers. I think Burgle Brothers 2. I, I feel like I I played a prototype version back at PAX Unplugged. Uh, and I, I remember like just enjoying like It was a different type of game. It wasn't the straight-up Burgle Brothers game, just a new version of it. It was actually different. So I'm looking forward to seeing the final production when it finally hits the table.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. All right, so next up we've got the return to dark tower. Ooh. Yes. This was a hard one. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I mean I I grew up with Dark Tower and this was a grail game for me. Mm-hmm. My cousin owned a copy of this, and I remember playing this and remember being amazed by the electronic tower and the like the voices that kind of came from it. I mean, obviously the gameplay was light even back in the day, but it was just so evocative of that theme. And it really just was its own thing. And then over the years, you could maybe pick up a copy for ridiculous amounts of money. And there was always these kind of rumors that it was going to get remade and reprinted and all that kind of fun stuff. And then it came out on this Kickstarter and the Kickstarter was fantastic. I, I feel like the Kickstarter itself deserved an award, how good it was. but. I did not back this because, and I know this is just like, this is just me, but the Dark Tower just didn't do its own thing. It was app-based, and I was like, Mm -hmm. that was the one place I just could not go. I just could not go to that situation. I want my game to just do its own thing. It's just got to do its own thing. I can't rely on an app and other stuff. Like I appreciate it. I do. I, I get it. It makes all the sense in the world. I just couldn't back it. Especially, again, it was one of those things where it's like, Kickstarter has become this thing where it's like, you're not just backing a game to get produced, and you're not just backing a core game to own, but you're backing the core game and like 35 different miniature expansions. And it it just, it's so expensive. It's so enormous. And it's still a relatively light game. And I really kind of struggled with it. In the end, I didn't back it. I just... It breaks my heart
0: a little bit, but. (sighs) Yeah, I had no problem with this. I have no nostalgia for this whatsoever (laughs) and never played it. Never could get my hands on it when I was younger. And I got a copy of Fireball Island and never Uh played it. And that was just a huge waste of money. So I'm like, I'm not backing this at all. It's so much money.
2: Well, eventually I'll be starting a support group once this comes out and hopefully it's awesome. And I'll just be like, no, but until that day comes, yeah. Not returning to uh, Dark Tower.
0: Yeah, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. All right, we mentioned it before. We've got Frosthaven. So this is the sequel to Gloomhaven. And we we actually talked about this, I think, even on the podcast, where we thought it we wouldn't did. do as well. Yes. And for a couple of reasons. One being like, oh, who's actually finished Gloomhaven? <laughs> Two, who has $140 or whatever it was to spend on a board game in the first month of the pandemic when everybody was like locking down spending and losing their jobs mm-hmm. and three who's actually finished Gloomhaven <laughs> and the answer it turns out is a lot of people this thing Absolutely. made so much money like I think almost 13 million dollars from 83,000 people I was blown away I did not think it would do this well um, biggest Kickstarter of all time I think at the time I don't know if anything's beaten it yet yeah. but I did not back this because I'm nowhere near close to finishing my Gloomhaven plus all the expansion content. And I know they tweaked some rules, but I don't care. I have so much Gloomhaven stuff right now. And I love it, but it's not enough to spend another $150, whatever it was. So, This was on my acquisition
2: disorder quite a while back. I got to see and demo a little bit of Frosthaven. I know I had a friend of mine who was at the convention did get to play through one of the kind of like the first mission campaign kind of situations. And he loved it. And he's a huge fan of Gloomhaven. And he said it was better. The characters were better. The mechanics were slightly tweaked, but it made the game better. And they had a real kind of big push campaign at PAX Unplugged. And everybody was wearing those kind of Frosthaven crown kind of (laughs) things walking around. And it was huge. So, yeah, I, I did think this was going to be relatively big, but yeah, $13 million is just way, 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 way above and beyond. I don't think anyone wanted to be left behind this time, and I think that's really what happened right. the first time around. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, Yeah, that first Kickstarter, you had to wait ooh, about a year or so, like if you didn't back it the first time. I did, I was lucky, but that first Kickstarter only had a couple thousand backers, and... It was really hard to find this game for about a year. The second Kickstarter, he printed million like a ton of stuff, but sure, yeah, it took a while for, before you could find the game. Not a problem for this one. I don't think it'll be no, and I, Isaac
2: Childress is is such a good guy when it comes to listening to uh, his fans and his players out there. I remember, you and I demoed this with him before yeah. it came out. And he was just taking every note possible and was just like, wow, great. And then obviously Gloomhaven came out. It was huge. And everyone had like every kind of feedback possible. And he seems like he did listen in Frosthaven. And I think also because Gloomhaven was available in the campaign. So it wasn't just Frosthaven that made $13 million, Mm -hmm. but you could back literally anything that came out amongst all of his stuff out there. So it was a very smart and wise economic move because – it made $13 million, but it also made $13 million in a relatively short amount of time, too.
0: Yeah. No, it's crazy. how yeah. <laughs> just I'm still blown away that they managed to pull that off. Um, all right. So that, there you go. That was 13 games that we talked about a year ago but have not yet come out. Some of them are very close to coming out. Burgo Brothers is on the boat. Um, a GNC is on the boat. Some of them are nowhere near close to coming out because they just ran Kickstarter. It's not too long ago. So uh, we'll be talking about these in the future.
2: Could you possibly be on that boat and be like, hey, you know what's on this boat? <laughs> There's a container <laughs> of Frosthaven. Yeah. Wanna wanna crack open that container and just start playing some Frost Haven? I mean, it's like, I don't know, 30 day or 40 day, you know, trip from China. Let's 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 get some Frost Haven in, man. <laughs> They're like, we're one short. I don't know. <laughs> like, we're never gonna get there. We just gotta finish this game.
0: Oh man. All right. So, um, one last set of stuff. These are seven expansions that we wanted to talk about from 2020. Uh, some of these did release, some did not, but we'll run through them real quick uh, because these were like the big expansions we were looking forward to first on the list, spirit Island, jagged earth. This has released, it shipped to backers a few months ago, actually like September, I think. And then it hit retail for about five minutes before it sold out uh, about a month ago. And I was able to get a copy at my local store because I didn't back the Kickstarter and they immediately ran out of it. So good luck. Um, (laughs) uh, I haven't had a chance to play with all these yet, but there's a lot in the box.
2: Yes, this is one of my favorite games of all time. And this game sold out almost immediately to the point where I was watching to pick it up and it just never even showed up as in stock. It just, it popped up as being sold out. So yeah, this is gonna it's gonna be a hard year without some Spirit Island at the table.
0: <laughs> Hopefully, they add them into the to Steam quickly. I hope so. Uh, Teotihuacan, Shadow of Zidil, <sighs> Jason. I hope you're not watching. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this was actually a very tiny boxed expansion. Like when we talked about it a year ago, all we knew was the name, and I was like, "Ooh, another expansion," but it was. I think it was like ten or fifteen dollars. So I added a few tiles and that was about it. But new content, I'll take it. I don't care. <laughs> so.
2: yeah, again, not even close to playing that yet. <laughs> but yeah, I I more the more the better. Because that game, again, they've done a great job with pricing. They made it affordable, and they've they've made a really great game.
0: Absolutely. Um, That's been to Ron Delling, my friend, Ron Delling. Ron Delling. <laughs> all right, upstairs, downstairs for Obsession. I still haven't played my copy because I'm bad at this, but you have. I know you have. You reviewed it. I did. It's it's a it's a great
2: expansion, and it does correct some of the major issues from its first expansion. So again, if you have not backed not received not purchased a second edition definitely go online check out the errata because there is some corrections you can do with your base game to play it the second edition adds again a lot more but in particular it add new adds new servants to the game that are kind of optional and just like bolster up boring stuff or stuff that just doesn't really sing anymore because like you get a lot of this kind of like early rooms and early cards that don't do as much as they could now everything does a lot more. So it, it's kind of in line with the Tricarion expansion that just kind of, you know, fixed a lot of stuff and made a lot of the boring stuff a lot better. So, yeah, it's definitely an expansion you want to pick up, at the very least, if you didn't pick up the the whole new version.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely need to get this played. Yep. <laughs> On Great. my list. Mm-hmm. All right. Anachrony, Fractures of Time. This is the Like, big, big expansion for Anachrony. The Kickstarter ran... I don't remember exactly when it ran. I think it was very beginning of last year, possibly. Yeah. It actually ran in April of 2019. So this thing is way overdue. But But the the ships... The games are actually in the country, and they are on their way to distribution. So should have this in hand very soon. I have not played it, obviously. It hasn't shipped yet, but I did back it, and I should have it in January tons of new solo content as well along with the expansion content so i will be reviewing this on the podcast at some point in the next month or two
2: all right very cool yeah i have the base game i have the first expansion which is the little plastic dudes but yeah. nothing beyond that so i'm looking forward to your review
0: yeah i I'm, I'm looking forward to playing this it's a lot of new stuff yeah Mind clash when they do a
2: game they do all of the game <laughs> they yeah. just like just like and here's the game you're like ah
0: yeah yeah exactly yeah no this is this is on par with their tricarion expansion where they're like here's the expansion here's a really big box to put the expansion in with the other game here's some more rules here's some free stuff it you know what just all of it all of it <laughs> all right gugong panjun deluxe edition it was a, this is a big box expansion it came with a lot of content for gugong which actually ended up being like one of my surprise hits of 2019 I backed the original Kickstarter, it came in, I played it once, I was like, it's fine. And then other people wanted to keep playing it, so it kept hitting the table. And after like five or six plays, either the game hypnotized me or something came out of the woodwork. But I I was like, I actually love this game for for that light, medium weight, you know, uh, Euro type of thing. And the expansion adds a lot of variability to it. It fixes that central track that you're moving up in the middle of the board, which is a thing you have to do, but it's boring and it doesn't really do anything for you. It changes that. It adds some new locations that you can go to. It tweaks a few of the rules. So, it just came in like two, three months ago. Have not had a chance to play it, obviously, um, but I'm looking forward to doing so and going through the rules and setting it up. I'm like, man, this looks good. Yeah, this game needed an
2: expansion in the worst way because there was stuff that was not just. It wasn't that it was too light because again, games could be light and be great. But it was that the game was a little weak in certain areas. Like, hey, let's go do the Jade thing. Probably not a great idea. Yeah. So I'm really glad that the expansion came out for you. I haven't gotten it to the table,
0: but yeah, this will be great once it hits. Next up is not an expansion, but you know what? This is where it ended up in the slideshow. Rococo Deluxe Edition. And you know what? Maybe we could say the Jewelry Box expansion because nobody could find it. So Exactly. Exactly.
2: I back this. And I'm still kind of upset about it <laughs> because I love Rococo. I love the original edition and I love Ian O'Toole's artwork, but I also love Michael Menzel's artwork from the first Rococo. I did not get a chance to pick up the jewelry box expansion. So when this came out, I was like, awesome, I'll do it. Ian O'Toole's artwork is a is just like the opposite, right? The original version is has like, it's a night because there's this firework. So it's very dark and you know, majestic here. It's all bright. And even the board orientation is different. It goes from being a very horizontal, traditional square board to kind of like a tall board, but the inserts terrible. And as you mentioned, it comes with the jewelry box, which is great. It comes with some of the other minor promotional kind of expansions, which is fantastic. And it doesn't fit in the box and it's a super deluxe edition. So that bums me out. But I'm still holding out hope that when I eventually get this to the table, uh, I will be overwhelmed by all the good stuff that's there and just love it.
0: It's crazy to me because they've done like eight of these. And then for them to come along this, well, Vital Lacerda's name's not on the box, so I guess we'll mess it up.
2: <laughs> what was funny was on Board Game Geek, that some of the people from the company was like, oh, we don't really know how to organize it because we haven't gotten our copies yet. and and they're And I'm just like but why and then there's like a lot of really good people in there that are trying to figure out how to organize everything and again it should not be that way this was a deluxe version which meant deluxe money that it, <laughs> it cost in order to get the deluxe version and it just wasn't built for the expansion it's like it was like literally built for just the base game if you just got the base game you had the, the insert works perfectly but again this is a huge box it's a beautiful box, but it's huge. And you open the insert, you're like, well, there's like 35% of empty air here that they could have done things with. So crazy. I don't want to have to throw out an insert on a super deluxe version of a game that I already own that costs all the monies. But I don't know. Let's let's hold out hope that it'll be fantastic once it hits a table.
0: All right. And then one more game uh, expansion that came out in 2020. This one actually came out uh, early on because I had a chance to play it a lot is Root, the Underworld expansion. So this one, you've got the uh, Corvid Conspiracy. Not COVID, Corvid. Um, (laughs) And then you've got the Underground Duchy. So you've got the the spies, basically, the crows, who go around blowing stuff up and various other shenanigans. And then you've got the moles who can pop up anywhere on the board and send out various advisors who do crazy things. Because it's Root and it's all asymmetrical. I love both of these guys. They're both fun to play. They're both very difficult to master, but not necessarily to to learn. And they add a lot of depth. And the new board is really fun, too. The underground maps with the tunnels. Yeah, honestly, I'll take all the root content all day long. But these ones in particular were good. I actually like these two a little bit more than the first expansion um, with the otters and the lizard people. The lizard people are amazing, but these two are really good.
2: Yeah, now this looks great. Anytime you have more of asymmetrical races in a game, it's just all the kinds of better. I just have to figure out time to actually learn all of these different races, but uh, maybe it'll, also hit up, it'll hit up on the app at some point too, because that's been pretty great for the game.
0: Yeah, I certainly hope so. Yeah, and, and another part of this Kickstarter too was like the Clockwork expansion, which I didn't post here, but that was a, a solo only expansion that came with multiple different Clockwork enemies you could face. Because the original, it was just the cats. It was the marquee clockwork or whatever they called it. And now you can play against the clockwork birds or the clockwork woodland alliance. And there's all these different things you can do solo, which is awesome.
2: That's awesome. Great.
0: All right. Yeah. So that's all the stuff that we talked about one year ago um, that we were excited about. We'll have a list similar to this next week and we'll tell you why we're excited about that list. Uh, But this (laughs) is kind of our... recap of the year um, ignoring everything else that happened in the year (laughs) just games only guys
2: all right everybody so we hope that you enjoyed our super duper recap of 2020 obviously we talked about this very optimistically early in the year so if you want to jump back and listen to that episode do so because sometimes it's a lot of fun to hear about all of our expectations and then actually see the games that actually got to the table so That's way back on episode 255. Jump back, listen to that, and then come back and listen to this one. Don't forget that when you listen to this on your podcast player, BGA Live happens 8.30 Eastern Standard Time on Board Game Arena, and especially on Twitch, Board Game Arena's live show will be showing Luxor, so we don't want you to miss that. Queen Games has, again, put out a wonderful family game, and I think you'll enjoy this quick playing card game. So a lot of fun there. Some different mechanics. And obviously next week we got another great episode, as Anthony mentioned. So we will talk about most anticipated games of all time. But until all of that stuff happens, this has been Chris. Hey, this is Anthony. We'll save you all. i see you at the table. Take care, everybody.